Hey there, welcome to episode 33 of the Author Elevate podcast, where we celebrate books, equip authors, and promote brain-happy creative living. I'm your friendly host, Janina Polito, and I am so, so glad you're here. Today we have another author plus book feature called What by Book Taught Me, which, woohoo, I am loving these. I am loving uh, how authors are just coming on and sharing their wisdom. I am loving uh, how we have some fantastic conversations. Uh, the one we, I just finished with Tabitha Kaplinger was amazing. And I'm not just saying that because we ended up going on tangents about Marvel and Supernatural and uh, like why it'd be really cool if you could just walk around with an axe and a shield all day, although those things definitely happened. <laughs> so super excited for that interview and all of the wisdom she shared there. But first, before we dive in, if you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe and hit the bell notification icon so that you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., I think Stitcher is actually gone. But anyway, if you're listening on podcast platforms, please make sure to subscribe there. And if you're loving this show, please do leave a rating on iTunes. Every single rating does help. Also, make sure you're checking out the Author Elevate Jam Session, which is the place that I do hang out on Facebook. And also, when I'm doing shout outs for scheduling um, podcasts and uh, different guests, that's one of the first places that I go to. So it is a great place to be there for daily prompts, uh, for interaction with me, uh, for sneak peeks of things, and of course, to hopefully get in on some episodes new. And if you'd love to support uh, Author Elevate and get some amazing extra tips, do check out the Author Elevate Patreon uh, for just as little as a dollar a month. You do help us uh, maintain all different aspects of the Author Elevate community from the website and doing podcast episodes and editing and all of that stuff. And we really, really appreciate that. Plus you get bonus content, exclusive cheat sheets, special training with every single episode, 50% uh, off discounts, and of course, a sticker. Now, in terms of where I'm doing with personal life right now, um, the superhero story <laughs> is now in revisions. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> it's in revisions. It's going to be off to beta soon. It's going to be off to my editor uh, very soon. If I haven't just decided to, I might just kick it out the door to her sooner. Um, and it's going to be going through all those wonderful revision stages. And I'm super excited about that. And again, I'm still working on a new nonfiction book and some new courses and et cetera. So please do make sure that you're signed up for the weekly author chill zone email newsletter because all the info goes there absolutely first. Now, we're going to uh, skip the take of the week this week and dive right into the author interview again um, and the feature because Tabitha had some fantastic things to say about what it looks like to be unexpectedly vulnerable in your fiction book writing when a story takes a different turn than what you expect, um, when you're going to have to include things that you're not sure that readers are going to be comfortable with, although they might be, you know, not that they're not especially controversial, but sometimes you just never know. Um, when you're going to have to um, go through the editing process and what it looks like practically to go through that editing process well and uh, to say yes to some things and say no to other things and that whole journey as well. Um, super excited for this. Uh, love how vulnerable she was in this podcast episode. So without further ado, we're going to dive right in. And now it's time for our What My Book Taught Me feature with Tabitha Kaplinger. Tabitha, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
Yeah, I'm again. I I love uh, seeing what you're doing online with your Tuesdays with tab things. I love like tuning into those and such. And you always have some of the most encouraging and convicting memes and messages I see on my social media. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll I will take that as a win. Like I'll stop. I'll like stop my school to go. Oh, that. That reminds me of something that I was studying this morning. That yeah. okay. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I call it a good hurt. A good yeah. Hurt. It's good pain there. I like those moments. Yeah. That are equal parts encouraging and challenging. I think we need that because it's really easy on social media to sometimes like it's either, you know, cute animal memes, which I will never not stop for just saying. Um, Obviously. Or kind of like doom scrolling or stuff or things that are like encouraging, but in ways that can almost I'm like, well, that's encouraging unless you're doing something really like harmful to yourself or others, something really like objectively bad. And then I don't want you to keep doing that. Like those things like, you know, always follow your heart. And I'm like, I can think of at least five people that I'm not sure I want them following their heart right now. Like, yeah, no, that's I'm, not that's not always great <laughs> advice. That's it sounds good, mm-hmm. but it's not always great. Yeah. All right, listeners and viewers on YouTube, uh, to let you know a little more about Tabitha. She is the author of the Chronicle of the Three trilogy, The Wolf Queen, and most recently, The Wayward. She writes stories with a touch of the fantastical for young women and the not-so-young women struggling to know who they are and what they are worth. She wants to help them discover their identity and live for their purpose on purpose. She's also a wife, mom, pastor, and professed TV addict. It's seriously a problem, but she doesn't plan on getting help anytime soon. However, she'd be happy to talk about Supernatural or Buffy or just about any show with you. So i got to stop here. So we mentioned yep. Supernatural or Buffy. Uh, yep. here, here's like just a quick like question I'm just going to throw at you. Which one is your favorite? Supernatural. Okay. So are and you so. part of the, the Supernatural fandom? Oh, yeah. Like that whole... I would, I, it, to the point that my husband finally watched the show. Mm-hmm. And then um, two Christmases ago, I think... Mm-hmm. All of the Christmas presents he got me were supernatural inspired, pretty much. <laughs> there were keychains, mugs, shirts, wow. and an autographed copy of the pilot script, which was Whoa. like the best thing yeah. ever. And so, and he sends, we send each other like supernatural memes and TikToks all the time. So, yeah, I have to say, I love Buffy mm-hmm. and I love Angel, mm-hmm. but I have to say, supernatural is my favorite. That is that is fair. That is fair. It says here you love good TV so much, mostly because she loves the stories. She can't help but get lost in the worlds created and invested in the lives of the characters. She brings that same passion for the story and characters to her own writing, whether it's slaying demons or dragons. And when she isn't writing, Tabitha, her husband, and two beautifully sassy daughters desire to be Jesus with skin on for those around them. They live to love others and for Marvel movies. Yeah, this just yeah. makes makes total sense. Of course, then I have to ask yeah. favorite Marvel movie or TV show. So one oh. out of all of the Marvel universe. Out of all of them. All of it, yes. Oh, man. I feel like I, any answer I give here is going to offend someone in my family, one of my daughters <laughs> specifically, um, because I know their favorites. Mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 oh, mm. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's okay, a whole top, universe. Okay. Okay, so top favorite series and favorite movie. There we go. That okay, like I, uh, that's still hard. I feel this is me. So my favorite series mm-hmm. was WandaVision. I yes. loved WandaVision. Mm-hmm. And favorite movie, I'm I'm gonna go with Captain America: The First mm-hmm. Avenger. Like I love all of them, mm-hmm. but the Captain holds a special place in my heart, and so mm-hmm. that's the only reason I'm picking that one. A close second would mm-hmm. be. Um, 
Wakanda forever. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I feel like that's a hard question and a little bit mean. Oh, it is. It's terribly mean. This is why I like to run the podcast. I'm like, notice I'm not asking myself this question. Yeah, like, what do you mean? What is your favorite Marvel movie? Oh, okay. Well, actually, my favorite series, and this has just come out of my culture nerd thing, and it's something where I know it didn't get the greatest ratings, and I really don't care. Um, I liked Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Because I, from my, like, background in studying cross-cultural things and, like, learning about different stuff, I just, I absolutely loved the inclusion of her family. I loved how they actually brought the historical stuff into that with immigration. I just loved, I just nerded all, yeah. over all of that. And then also, um, she was just a hoot. Like, I loved that she was just, I think she was the one that was the most, felt like a teen, like a yeah. regular <laughs> teen. And Which um, is nice, because that doesn't, you don't usually see it's that. teens who act like 20-somethings. Yeah. And... Yeah. These were, she was not a Dawson's Creek teen there. I'm, I'm dating myself yeah, <laughs> for those teens okay. now who are like, what is that? And like, oh yeah, back in the like late nineties. Um, Apollo Cole song is now yes, floating oh in my, my goodness. brain. I mean, you know, as yeah. you do, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved Ms. Marvel um, for that. And I think like a close second would be like WandaVision, but Ms. Marvel, because WandaVision towards the end, I was not quite as much a fan yeah. of it, but uh, Ms. Marvel was just so much fun. So that was a hoot for me. And the movies, oh, you know what? I, this is a really hard one for me too. I am trying to think. I probably, I really liked the first Iron Man. Yeah. In well, terms of an overall, yeah, a whole overall cohesive story. I really loved yeah. that one. Oh, but then again, I was thinking about the TV series. Oh, I really liked uh, Agent Carter. The first season of Agent Carter. Oh, that was, really was good, good too. I that forgot about really Agent Carter one. for a minute. There's so much that it's I like know, trying to just... filter all of it through your brain. And also everything <laughs> ties together Yeah, so yeah. much that it's hard to pick like a favorite because mm-hmm. like that one story feeds into so many other stories. I feel mm-hmm. like it's just, I just like Marvel and can we leave it? Yeah, it was a mean question, but, you know, I did have to go there, so we went it's there. Fine. It's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Now, now talking about all of your awesome books. So first off, how long have you been writing? I have been writing, I would say I thought about this and casually, mm-hmm. like tinkering with writing, thinking about writing, uh, probably <laughs> since college. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I've always had an imagination and stories going on in my head, but yep. the idea that I could actually put them down and write them or write anything started in college. So that's about 25 years, give or take. And, um, but intentionally, like professionally with the intent yeah. of, oh, I'm actually going to finish this story and try to get it published has been about 10 years. Okay. Okay. And I said, give or take. I tried to do mm-hmm. the math in my head and I was mm-hmm. like, i I don't know. We're just going to round number it here. (laughs) So uh, towards that, like what gave you that first push to start writing in college? Because I know listening to some authors, you know, they'll say, oh, I started writing when I was six or these things or those things. So, you know, that's a little bit later for you. I mean, college is still not that late. But what gave you that push to actually get your stories on paper? It's actually kind of a weird and interesting story of how it Mm -hmm. happened. I um, went I started college kind of a semester Mm -hmm. late. And I went for a couple semesters before I transferred to Bible college. I went to Sweetbriar University in Virginia, Mm -hmm. which is an absolutely beautiful um, all girls school with so Mm -hmm. much tradition and history and a gorgeous campus. And I absolutely loved it there. And because I was a semester late, 
you know, lots of classes are already full, lots of things. And I went in kind of, it's one of those things, you know, like you're in high school and you think you know what you want to be when you grow up. And then suddenly you're 18 and going into college and (laughs) you have no idea what that high school person was thinking. Yeah. And so I went in and all of a sudden it was like, I want to do journalism. Okay. Particularly photojournalism. And I can't tell you where that came from. Because that had not been a thought in my head for most of high school. I took photography classes and I liked that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, and so I went when I first got to Sweetbriar, that was my intent. All the photography mm-hmm. classes were full wow. and they didn't have any journalism classes. So I was like, OK, <laughs> what am I going <laughs> to do now? And so I was looking at the list and create majoring in creative writing. Okay. was an option. And I felt like that was a good option because it was going to be writing. It was going to, mm-hmm. I felt like it could, the two could, connected. Yeah. And so I chose creative writing as my major. And it was funny. I was only there for, I think, three semesters total before I transferred to Bible college. Wow. But during those three semesters, aside from a couple fencing classes and like physics, every class I took was a writing class. Um, I took novel writing, I took poetry, um, English composition. Um, mm-hmm. One of the professors, I and like all of my professors were published authors. My mm-hmm. creative writing professor and po- po- poetry professor was Carrie Brown, who at mm-hmm. the time, was um, her mo- most recent novel was a New York Times bestseller. Yep. Um, her husband, John Brown, was my faculty advisor. And so I think that's where... I started viewing writing differently mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, a, and I fell in love with creative writing and fiction writing more so than the idea of journalism. And then God kind of changed some things in me and I went to Bible college and became a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And so that that's why it started in college. And then it took so long to actually write a story Mm-hmm. Because I had to go through about 10 years of feeling like, well, pastors are supposed to write devotions <laughs> and nonfiction. Oh, yeah. yes. And I did write a nonfiction book that is no longer out in the world because mm-hmm. I self-published it and I had no clue what I was doing. Oh, one um, of those. <laughs> but I, I stand by the content, but it needed a lot of work. Um, mm-hmm. But and, and and that book taught me a lot mm-hmm. and and taught me a lot about of discipline as a writer Mm -hmm. and setting goals as a writer. There's so much I learned from that experience. Mm -hmm. One of the things was I also do not like writing nonfiction. (laughs) (laughs) I did not enjoy it as much. I tried to start another nonfiction book after that and just Mm -hmm. couldn't do it. And when I got the idea for my first story, that's where it really went. It took me back to those college days and creative writing and writing poetry and Mm -hmm. how much I loved that and connected with story. And so that's, that's how that started in college and not Mm -hmm. before. Yeah. And that's, it's really interesting because I kind of get those vibes of like, when you're in a certain place, you kind of feel like like you have to do a certain thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, my first books that I actually had out were curriculum because I was a teacher at the time. And so curriculum was just something I wrote anyway. So I was like, look, it's it's world building curriculum because I can do this. Um, But I definitely get that pressure of like, well, if you're in ministry or ministry adjacent or anything like that, you feel like, well, I should do something 
with that. Yeah. I still get some funny looks with um, being married to a missionary and such and like going around like, oh, so you write nice books and like, I, I write books. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah. so they're like these nice Christian romances. I'm like, they're, they're yeah. general market urban fantasy. And they go, oh, 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 yeah. okay. <laughs> it's, and I am super thankful that all the people in my life and mm-hmm. um, at our churches where we're on staff at are super supportive and mm-hmm. buy my books and mm-hmm. read my books. And, um, it, but it, it was a, a really a thing that I had to wrestle with mm-hmm. and really come to that point. Writing for me is a way that I connect with God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and story and that being creative mm-hmm. is a really huge part of that. And mm-hmm. I think it's part of how he's wired my brain. Cause like you mm-hmm. said, even as a kid, I always had yep. a story going on in my head. I just never thought to write them down. Yeah. And when, and even now I, I still will get people, um, my publisher included, like, don't you want to write that live chosen book? Like, don't you want to write that nonfiction? Yeah. Like, that no. ties into like your branding and stuff. Yeah. You know, and I'm don't like, you? no, I don't. I'm like, I, I have to write sermons. I wrote curriculum for youth ministry for years. I, I do a lot of Bible stuff on my social media and my website. And I'm like, I feel like that's enough that, mm-hmm. The things I need to say or want to say or feel like I'm supposed to say in that realm, mm-hmm. I say in those arenas. Mm-hmm. And as an author, I want to tell stories. Yeah. And yeah. um, and so I'm like, yeah, no. I mean, I, I won't say that I will never mm-hmm. write the nonfiction book because then I feel like God is always like, well, challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Mm -hmm. that's um, that's where it started for me. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I when I first started publishing fiction, like I said, at that point, I'm so far removed from college that you kind of forget that that even happened. Like, did Mm -hmm. I? And I I went through this one phase where I was really struggling with imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and really struggling with feeling like, am I good enough at this? Like, and and I remember sitting and kind of going, you know, all of these other people have degrees in mm-hmm. this and they've taken all of these classes and done all of this study in their craft, mm-hmm. you know, in writing and you didn't do any of that and yet you think you can write a book. And very <laughs> clearly, I and I, I know it was the Lord kind of going, mm-hmm. but you did. Mm-hmm. Like, remember mm-hmm. those like three semesters that you were at Sweetbriar and Mm -hmm. every class you took almost was a writing class and you Mm -hmm. had these really amazing authors Mm -hmm. critiquing your work and teaching you Mm -hmm. remember that like you you did do some of that you did learn Mm -hmm. the writer things yeah um you just had a gap before (laughs) you used them (laughs) which you know those things always come back in interesting ways and later on your journey nothing ever is wasted for that and that's just fascinating to see well so cool we already talked about what kind of books or stories you read a little bit in your bio where you mentioned about, um, you know, purpose and writing for like women who are young women and women who like, you know, feel like young women or younger, harder, et cetera. So what specific kinds of book genres do you write in? It's funny. I, I always kind of have a love hate relationship with this question <laughs> because I feel like there's this one side of writing and publishing where you're mm-hmm. supposed to like, have your genre and that you 
like you write this genre and mm-hmm. I never am like oh I'm gonna write this genre I'm I just write a story that I like yeah. and mm-hmm. my publisher decides what genre it is <laughs> <laughs> later but so I'm always like I don't really know how to answer that question but I, I write mostly speculative fiction so urban mm-hmm. fantasy fantasy mm-hmm. um the wayward was mm-hmm. a little bit sci-fi my readers um called it cottagecore sci-fi okay. which I thought was Ooh. adorable yeah um, and it's got a little dystopian twist in there because mm-hmm. um I just do what I want and, <laughs> don't, <laughs> and don't consider it and so it, it's a wide range but it all fits I think under that speculative fiction fantasy sci-fi oh, umbrella yeah. somewhere mm-hmm. And you tapped into something really important about genre, which is like for authors, and I think um, you hit on a really good thing with authors where sometimes they they can think, we can think, it's like, you know, I just wrote a book or I wrote it in this angle and then somehow these things showed up and it's, that's not really the same focus for me. But it really is just about what readers are calling it and how they're talking about it to each other and communicating it. So yeah. in some ways, it's interesting that genre, because it's that kind of marketing label, it is more of a reader thing. But that way, you know, all of our listeners out there who might be interested in your stuff, you know, check her out for her urban fantasy things. Check her out for yeah. um, what she's got going with a sci-fi cottage core, <laughs> which just sounds like an amazing mashup. I have a huge heart for like those yeah. mashups. They're like, what? okay, what? we're going to do this. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. One of my um, ARC readers, when the book was getting ready to launch, labeled mm-hmm. it as that. And I was like, that's actually really kind of perfect mm-hmm. in this weird I don't know how it makes sense way, but then you read it and you're like, okay, it makes sense. There you go. There you go. So what story or story series are we talking about today that taught you something? Um, I thought we would talk about The Wayward because it's my latest release. Like you said, my (laughs) readers dubbed it Cottagecore Sci-Fi. It's Mm -hmm. a little bit, um, it's a little bit sci-fi, a little bit dystopian, Mm -hmm. a little bit something that probably cannot be labeled (laughs) given all of those things mashed together. Um, But it's kind of freshest in my head. And Mm -hmm. I, and I think it, you know, I, I, I did learn a lot with this Mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So what was your favorite part about writing the story or about the whole experience of having it published? For this book, it was kind of, I think my favorite part is going to sound weird, but it it was my favorite. It wasn't my favorite in the moment, but looking mm-hmm. back, it's my favorite. And that was um, it was really wrestling with this story. This was mm-hmm. the first book where I didn't know how it would end right oh, from the start. Yeah. I'm a plotter. And so I tend to outline, you know, at least all the major plot points. I, mm-hmm. I call myself a flexible plotter yeah, because, you know, I allow for a lot of room, but mm-hmm. I always have the main plot points. And usually when I first get a story idea and I first start thinking about how the story will start, I know the beginning and I know mm-hmm. the ending mm-hmm. pretty clearly right off the top. Um, and some other ones, as I wrote, um, my my one of my other stories, The Wolf Queen, I always knew what would happen in that one. And mm-hmm. when I got there, I had to be like, are you sure? Like, you're going <laughs> to yeah. do this. You're it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be big. But for The Wayward, it was really the first one that I did not know mm-hmm. how I was going to end it. I didn't know how I was going to tie it all together. I, I didn't know what that big conclusion mm-hmm. um, would be until I got to it. And even then, I think I sat for two days just staring at my computer screen, kind (laughs) of trying to really piece it together and and figure out what was the right 
way to bring this all together. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was kind of stressful, Mm -hmm. but watching it unfold at the end and how it all tied together was this really beautiful moment. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that was my favorite part Mm -hmm. of this Mm -hmm. was watching it come together when I didn't Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. if it like part of me, I'm like, I don't know if this is all going to work out. I don't, yep. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. I, I may have put all of this because I also write in order. Like I can't mm-hmm. jump around. Scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I have to write in order. And so there was a lot of time where I'm like, I could have just put 60,000 words in here and not have a story because I don't, Oh man. I can't figure out how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. And then watching it kind of come together. Like, so it was, mm-hmm. was really cool and ended up, I think being really beautiful. So I, mm-hmm. I loved that. Yeah, that's really inspiring, too. I think because it's interesting how authors, we generally seem to know how we work, especially you get like three or four books and you're like, okay, God, I think I got my process here. I think I know how I do this. And then you get a book that's like a curveball and you're like, wait, um, <laughs> that's, that's not how I'm that goes. questioning everything. Wait, what, what's going on with this? Um, so it is always good that sometimes you just have to lean in and just keep going through it anyway, which can also be just a great metaphor for life and the whole publishing process in general. (laughs) For sure. And it was really different. Like it was really uncomfortable for me Mm -hmm. because like you said, for even the first books I wrote were my Chronicle Mm -hmm. of the Three trilogy. And I Mm -hmm. knew before I wrote the first word, I knew how Mm -hmm. each of those three books would start and end. Mm-hmm. partially because I viewed them through the lens of a TV show. And oh, yeah. so I'm like, mm-hmm. where would season one end? Mm-hmm. Where would season two be? And so I just knew. Mm-hmm. And even, and then the next story was the Wolf Queen. And I knew mm-hmm. I was, it was a very uncomfortable and, and like climactic piece to write. Cause I was like, this is, I think, pe- I don't know how people are going to feel about this, uh-huh. but I knew it. And I knew it was the right piece. It was just, how do I, for that, it was just how do I write that in a way that mm-hmm. isn't like doesn't make everybody go, oh, my mm. like, what <laughs> did she just do? But that everybody really feels it and it and it it gets the emotion that I am hoping for. Right. At right. least. And yeah. And then the wayward comes along and I knew these characters and I and I knew the direction they were going. But I'm like, they the, is I've got to have an ending. I've got to have that. Yeah. climactic moment I've got to have that res and I don't know what that's gonna like what are they gonna do it's like you mm-hmm. sit and talk to your characters and you're like okay guys like we're gonna need to have a little um team meeting yeah. because I'm gonna need you guys to tell me how what you're gonna do in this situation to defeat the aliens because yes. I don't know and <laughs> Um, and it was weird because there was so much in that and at the time that I wrote it things mm-hmm. that were going on in the world mm-hmm. that suddenly I felt very aware of how I write this, given mm-hmm. the themes, given the content, given what's happening in the world. Like mm-hmm. I I very much felt aware that how I write this, I mm-hmm. didn't want it to add mm-hmm. to some of the negative things out there in the way that we deal with conflict. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, how do I do that? in a way that isn't just, I didn't want it to be all, we're going in guns blazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. that felt very volatile at the time mm-hmm. that I was getting to those scenes. And so mm-hmm. that, that was difficult on its own, but like you said, kind of making myself wrestle through all that mm-hmm. and was, was, I was really cool. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, in, the, at, in, the, in the moment, it was not. In the moment, it was, I was so stressed out. And I was like, I'm never going to finish this book. I love these characters. No one's ever going to know them because I can't figure out what to do. And, and But I really loved how it turned out. And I loved the way that it resonated with people. Now, going into the next question, I mean, would you... This question, of course, is what was your least favorite part about writing the story or about the whole experience about having it published? Is that also wrapped up in this or is that something different? <laughs> no, it, it's something different. Okay. <laughs> as okay. much as that was stressful, like as soon as I wrote the ending, I mm-hmm. felt so good about it and I knew that the wrestling was worth it. So mm-hmm. um, that's definitely not my least favorite. My, I've never really been a fan as far as the whole publishing process of, mm-hmm. of editing you know, I don't think anyone is like you write this thing and you put all this work into it and mm-hmm. then it gets picked apart, which is a good thing. Yes. But it's it can be really hard and it's not as much fun as mm-hmm. the initial storytelling where you're just letting it all mm-hmm. go. Um, and I've I've gotten I've gotten better at how I just emotionally process mm-hmm. <laughs> editing. But this one. Um, the Wayward really stretched me even more mm-hmm. than other books. There were some really, um, this was the first one where really there were some major things that needed to be rearranged mm-hmm. or changed or taken out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were some really painful moments mm-hmm. where I had to let go of my wants mm-hmm. in order to mold it into what the reader would need. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually ugly cried when I got my editor's notes back (laughs) while I processed some of my darlings that needed to be killed for the good of Mm -hmm. the story. I, I had like a whole just very emotional moment because, Mm -hmm. um, for instance, one of, one of the things that I absolutely adored about this story when I started, it was the first line of the book. Mm -hmm. And my editor is like, I don't think that should be the first line of the book. Oh, boy. I think that should be later. You need mm-hmm. to build up to that. And I was like, but it's a really great first line. And everything <laughs> in my head was mm-hmm. this story starts at this moment. Mm-hmm. And so having to really and part of me wanted to be like, nope, not changing it. I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to put down my veto card. And I'm going to do what I want. Mm-hmm. And and for for a hot minute, that's what I thought that I was going to do. I was going to be mm-hmm. like, no, I disagree. Mm-hmm. And so and I really stopped and was like, no, I, I need to think about this from the perspective of my readers and what's really going to create the emotional payoff mm-hmm. for them. And so I did make that change. And, and I'm glad that I did now. But at the time, that was really my least favorite part because there was so much about this story that had to be shifted around and mm-hmm. and changed. I actually this is the first time in editing I had to add mm-hmm. um some chapters at the front end mm. and which that was kind of fun coming up with some new things, but it it was really my least favorite part because I I had poured so much of myself into Mm-hmm. the first drafts and, and my revisions that mm-hmm. kind of getting those edits back and there needing to be so much changed kind of in some fundamental things was, mm-hmm. was not fun. I was not, yeah. not a fan. Especially because like, it seems like you really dive into that wonder of the story in the first draft. And so then having to come back and like uh, sort of 
as I call it for some time, it's sort of like pinning the butterfly to the page of this beautiful thing. And there it is. And it's like, hey, nope, take this. And you have to sort of dissect it and such. And that process, like that transitional process can definitely be not as much fun. Um, yeah. And definitely for a lot of authors, just not as much fun to work through. So with and, all that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and in, in, like I said, especially for this one, you know, edits are never fun in mm -hmm. going through that polishing process. And, and I love that that kind of dissecting this beautiful yeah. thing is, is never fun. And this and for this one in particular, it was just even more painful. Mm -hmm. And 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 it was a good thing in the mm -hmm. end. It really was. And I see the value of it now. But mm -hmm. when I first got that editor letter, man. <laughs> My husband, I think, thought that I was going to have a nervous breakdown. Oh. He, he's, he's the real hero in the this spouses, situation. The spouse for, is like, we should just have like a like, whole podcast for this. He's like, I know nothing about this story. I know nothing mm -hmm. about these characters. But he was trying so hard to help me talk through and process it. So he's the real, he's the real MVP here in this mm -hmm. situation because I almost was like, you know what? Never mind. We're just mm -hmm. not, nobody gets to read this story now because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have like a special day for like writing like spouses of authors, besties of authors. Just go, uh huh, uh huh. Yep. Uh, should I be mad at them? Okay, we're not going to be mad at them because they did their job as an editor. So, so what am I supposed to do here? Yeah. Like, what do you need? What do you need? <laughs> what do you need? I don't so, know. with all that, what yep. did this story teach you overall? Well, I think there, I think there was a super practical writer lesson and mm -hmm. then a deeper, more heart lesson. So I'll start mm -hmm. with the practical one. Mm -hmm. I think the practical lesson that this story really, really um, drove home to me mm -hmm. more than any of the others is the need to view my story through the eyes of the reader after mm -hmm. the first draft. Like the first mm -hmm. draft can be all for me and what I want. But after that, the need to do that and a little bit more how to do that, because that mm -hmm. It makes a lot of sense saying it, that, mm -hmm. but how to actually do that, which is why good editors are mm -hmm. awesome and, and necessary because mm -hmm. they bring that perspective and, and helping me appreciate that <laughs> a mm -hmm. little bit more than I have in the past, if I'm honest. Um, but I think that has been, that was the really practical lesson. Mm -hmm for me. And then the heart lesson that this story really um, taught me was to be brave and vulnerable mm. and take some risks in storytelling. I think that this one really pushed me to my emotional limits. Mm -hmm. Writing it, it it forced me to question mm -hmm. um, what is happening in the story mm -hmm. and, and how it's going to affect people and mm -hmm. and and not into that I'm some of, and some of it was scary because there are mm -hmm. some some things that I touch on in in the wayward that I was like I kind of knew mm -hmm. there's going to be someone that that's going mm. to make them bristle up or they're mm -hmm. maybe not going to like that or mm -hmm. it's possibly going to offend them and that's mm -hmm. never my goal and and certainly not in like in in the really negative ways that we shouldn't want to offend people yeah. even with our writing. But, in, you know, sometimes it's just you're going to offend someone a little bit mm -hmm. because you're shining a light on something that is difficult to navigate and that is nuanced. Mm -hmm. And I so I was I was a little bit scared of some things as I wrote them mm -hmm. and really just that drive. But this is what the story requires. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. is this is what Wilder and Declan believe. This mm -hmm. is what Wilder and Declan 
would do. Mm. And you, you can't hold them back in this situation because it's going to miss the, the payoff if mm-hmm. you do, if, if they don't go all in, if, they, if you don't say some of the things mm-hmm. the way they would say them because you are scared of how someone might feel about it, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's going to detract from the mm-hmm. story. And so it really forced me to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. to be brave in a way. I think all writing forces us to be a little bit vulnerable. <laughs> and you're yeah. putting like, you're putting a piece of yourself out there into the world for the mm-hmm. world to scrutinize. But this was kind of a whole different level of that mm-hmm. kind of vulnerability um, for me. And so, yeah, that's that. And I think I am taking that. Yeah. So how are you going to apply these things moving forward with this? Like that knowledge um, of editing, that knowledge of vulnerability? I think um, on that practical level with the editing Mm -hmm. and and um, having the reader in mind, I've already finished another manuscript Mm -hmm. for another story and I'm starting one. And so I'm kind of in I and so I'm kind of in two different phases with two different projects. And so I've already kind of done some self edits and revisions on I it's codenamed project ghost boy Mm -hmm. and really going through it after sending it to my beta readers and really trying to pick it apart from a reader standpoint Mm -hmm. and I think it has benefited the story and even Mm -hmm. as I start a first draft on a new project um, I'm trying not to self edit too much as I go and Mm -hmm. stop the flow of things but still kind of considering more Mm -hmm how how this is going to be viewed from a, is a reader going to understand what I'm writing yeah. because they're not in my own head and so I think the editing for the wayward really has kind of retrained my brain okay. in that way as I write and then for the the bravery and vulnerability I think that um it's these the my next two stories are very different than the wayward mm-hmm. as all my stories are very different <laughs> yeah. from one another because I can't I cannot stay in one lane. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think even in that, it's it's um, shifted my mindset as a writer mm-hmm. that I'm trying to hold on to the ways that it pushed me mm-hmm. and keep pushing myself with each story in one way or another. And mm-hmm. because the wayward is very emotional, it's it's can be very intense at times mm-hmm. and, and pretty deep. And and Project Ghost Boy is is a lot more fluffy. It's mm-hmm. kind of paranormal romance. Yeah. There's conversations with the cat. It's <laughs> it's a lot sassier. It goes back to my more urban fantasy, mm-hmm. um, witty banter kind of stuff. And so it, it it doesn't hold some of the same like really intense content mm-hmm. that the wayward did, but it still is pushing me to even with that, to be mm-hmm. brave enough to say because the fear with Project Ghost Boy is, well, you just wrote this really intense mm-hmm. deep book. Like even The Wolf Queen and The Wayward. Like mm-hmm. you went from this urban fantasy that um, one of my friends said it's Buffy meets Gilmore Girls. Okay. <laughs> which I love. And that's like has some humor built in and mm-hmm. it and sass and all of these things too. Then you went to The Wolf Queen and you went to The Wayward and they're much more like serious feels like not yeah. quite the right word, but... <laughs> they're they're darker and intense, they don't yeah yeah they're more intense they don't have the humor they don't have the sass um they don't have the the banter and and the fluffier mm-hmm. moments and so as i was finishing up project ghost boy i'm like i don't know like 
are people going to hate this solely because if you if you found like if you mm-hmm. found me from TCO3 mm-hmm. you won't cuz it there's easter eggs and everything but mm-hmm. if you found me from the wolf queen and the wayward this is going to feel different and it's going to feel mm-hmm. a little fluffier and it's going to feel lighter but being brave enough to go but that's the wayward was the story i needed when i wrote it mhm the Wolf Queen was the story I needed when I wrote it. Mm-hmm. And Project Ghost Boy is the story I needed when mm-hmm. I wrote it. After mm-hmm. two books that were pretty intense and emotionally draining for me, mm-hmm. I needed some fluff and some witty banter and a main character who talks to her cat. Like I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so like the brave part in that isn't that, oh, there's these intense themes that are maybe going to offend somebody. Mm-hmm. Although I probably do get a little more um, overt with, the gospel in it than some mm-hmm. of my other stories, but also I don't, I don't, I, yeah. I am a bad judge of how overt <laughs> I am and how I'm not because mm-hmm. I don't try to ever be that, mm-hmm. but this I think is a little more so, and that mm-hmm. took some bravery on my mm-hmm. part, but even just being brave enough to say, this is the story I wanted to write and it's lighter yeah. and fluffier and it's not the same as the wayward and that's okay. Yep. Yep. And that kind of honesty and knowing where you're at with that is so vital. We talk a lot about an author elevate, like knowing the reasons you're writing something, knowing your focus for that, owning where you are with that. Um, Because writing is processing, writing is messy, writing is, you know, despite everything you do, you really have to put yourself into some major boxes to to ignore ignore all that. I know some people who do Mm -hmm. and there there can be some ramifications for that or not. That's another another story. Um, But you know, that's the wonderful beauty and messiness of writing and how it just interacts with where you are in your life and where you are with your emotions and where you are with your life season and all of that. And so knowing that and having that self-awareness and confidence in that is so, so powerful as an author. Now, time for the random question, which you did not get this one in advance. I did not. I'm ready. You can dress like any character in any of your books. Which character do you choose and why? I can dress like any character in any, any character. of my books. Yes. And you also get any of their accessories. Any of their, oh, see, <laughs> that's, like, I want to say Wilder from The Wayward just because mm-hmm. I feel like it's probably the easiest access and most comfortable in day-to-day okay. life. Mm-hmm. But Ilva from The Wolf Queen, she gets to carry an axe around. I mean, and that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and a shield. And so why would you not? There like, we go. Just, if you can dress like a Viking, why would you not? Well, just, just also, I would, I would also argue mm-hmm. that her two wolf guardians mm-hmm. count as accessories <laughs> because they're always with her. And okay. so it would mean that I, I get to have her, I get to have her wolves. I mean. Which I would take any day. Yeah, you know, you just gotta have to explain them to your German Shepherd and everything, but it's yeah. great. You know, it's I fine. think I think I think my German Shepherd would jump on board with that. There we go. There we maybe. go. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like that's you know, I just like it, and I'm in my head imagining myself doing my normal everyday things like mm-hmm. grocery shopping, trip to the library, <laughs> dress like a Viking, carrying mm-hmm. an axe, with two wolves. I mean, that just makes her. Aaron's like that much cooler. I just feel like it would be fun. There's nothing in my real life that would warrant needing an axe mm-hmm. at any time. <laughs> but why not? Why not? Just go for it. 
All right. Well, it's been great having you on the Author Elevate podcast. It's time for shameless promotion and brag time. Where can our listeners find you online? Where should they look up your stuff, etc.? Well, the easiest place to find me and all of my bookish stuff is at my website, tabithacaplinger.com. Mm-hmm. From mm-hmm. there, you can subscribe to my newsletter, which is my biggest shameless plug. I would love it <laughs> if you would subscribe to my newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it, oh, I only send it once a month. It's got mm-hmm. some live ch- chosen encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got updates from my writing. I do fun little giveaways there. And mm-hmm. when you sign up, you get some free free stuff you get a free short story and a free kickstart to living chosen so that's Mm -hmm. always if you want to keep up with information that's the best way my website also has links to all my social media but on instagram Mm -hmm. and threads i'm at tab underscore caplinger Mm -hmm. on facebook i'm author tab the caplinger and so and i'm mostly on instagram though and -hmm. i've been trying threads we'll see Mm -hmm. i'm also on tiktok as at tab underscore caplinger but that's just me being goofy with (laughs) voiceover videos (laughs) well i mean you know what if it's fun you know go for it and um listeners uh, if you were hop over to youtube we will have those links uh below the youtube video in the description and if you're listening to this on the author elevate website where we have a little blog post for each podcast we will also have those links there tabitha thank you so much for showing up on the podcast thank you so much for sharing about your book and like the vulnerabilities and everything and your wisdom with us it was fantastic having you here Thank you so much. I so enjoyed this conversation and getting to be here. Absolutely. And uh, you have a good rest of your day. I will try. (laughs) Now, for those of you out there who want to dive a little more deeply into what it looks like to be vulnerable and how to own those reasons for your own stories, the way that uh, Tabitha really, really learned um, on her own journey and share with us in that fantastic interview, do make sure to check out the Author Elevate Patreon. Those of um, you who are signed up at the $3 level and above will get the special bonus training connected to this episode. And we'll talk about um, what it looks like to measure vulnerability in your own stories, what it looks like if you start off with a story in one direction and it goes in a different direction and what that means for the future publishing process, um, how you might have to navigate things with the um, the contracts you're under, or if you agreed to be part of a multi-author project or et cetera. And so we're just going to dive a little more deeply into that uh, with my uh, proprietary five reasons for writing. And I'd really love for you to get this additional training. So if you haven't already, check out the Author Elevate Patreon. And again, thank you so much for listening and being here. Don't forget to subscribe, whether it's on YouTube or on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Now go forth and be awesome. <laughs>